Hello, and welcome to Front Office Features. My name is Rob Crane, and today we have a guest, uh, Gene DeFilippo, who is the Managing Director of Turnkey and has had an astounding sports business career. Uh, Gene, welcome to Front Office Features. Thanks so much, Rob. I'm, I'm glad to be with you, and uh, to be with another Springfield College grad is, uh, makes it special. The Springfield College uh, connection runs deep, and uh, I'm so thankful you're a football player at Springfield. Uh, I played baseball. Uh, we graduated just missed by a year or two, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was great. So uh, uh, the Springfield alums will be happy to, to hear about uh, our discussion. You're a football player. Give me your best Springfield football memory. My best Springfield memory? Um Oh, golly. Uh, I think tying a, a New Hampshire team that was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Jim Root brought his New Hampshire team down there. And, um, you know, they were big favorites. And we ended up tying the game. But uh, I fumbled late in the game and gave them an opportunity to get a score. Um, but it was still a great, a great effort by our team. You still um, remember that fumble. Me. It's unbelievable. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was really a, a, a neat moment. And there was a lot of really great moments, but that was that was one that I look back on with, with a lot of pride. No, that's uh, it's fantastic. You know, I, uh, there's some of the things. I still remember pitches that I threw to specific hitters in college and missed calls umpires had or – favorable calls on my end. It's crazy just how it, like those things sear in your brain. I was learning a little bit about that. And it's because you're so focused on that moment right there that you remember like everything that you were focused on. And it's the times when you're not focused is when you don't remember as much. You know what? Honestly, um, I coached for 10 years. I was an assistant football coach for 10 years. And oh, man, I remember in 1975. We had a two-point play, and, you know, I, I wish I had called another play. It still bothers <laughs> me to this day. I think of it at least once a week. It's unfortunate. Youngstown State at the team we were playing, Western Illinois, and we scored late, went for two, and I wish I would called another play. But you're right. Those things stay with us forever. Stay with you forever. So one of the things that I – that we actually haven't talked about in the two plus years of front office features too much is in college athletics, right? So one of the things I, I uh, throughout your career, right? I kind of want to take people on a journey throughout your career here is, and some anecdotes that you've learned along the way is I hear a lot of, uh, <laughs> excuse me, up and coming folks. They're talking to people just starting their career saying, I want to get into college athletics. Talk to, talk to us about, talk to me about, when you were starting your career, like how did you think about wanting to stay going to college athletics? How did you, you were a coach, but then like, how did it turn into the AD side? Like take us through that journey and like your steps along the way. Okay. I grew up in Northampton, Massachusetts. My dad was my high school football coach at Northampton high school. And so, you know, you either love it or you really don't like it. And yeah, right. I loved it and I couldn't get enough of it. And so, um, I mean, I knew all the plays. I knew everything when I was a really young age. And um, it was the, the 63, uh, well, it was the January 1st of 1964. Um, number one 
ranked Texas Longhorns were playing uh, number two Navy with Roger Staubach as their quarterback. And uh, it was one of the early, supposed games of the century. And Texas ended up winning the game and the Texas players put Coach Daryl Royal on their shoulders and and uh, the horns up the hook them horn sign as he yeah. was getting carried off the field. And I thought, wow, what a great feeling that must be to take a football team with people from all over the world or all over the country and bring them together and you know to make a really good football team, uh, a, a top-ranked football team, I'm going to coach. And so from that time on, I knew that I wanted to coach. And getting into athletics is really, really hard. Um, people think it's easy. Um, I went to the University of Tennessee uh, when I graduated from Springfield College, and I worked as a graduate assistant football coach. I did not make any money. Um, I worked, that seems still to ring true to this day. <laughs> yeah, I worked day and night. Um, and I had some really important jobs. Like, you know, I had to get in there early and make sure the coffee was on. So the <laughs> got in. I had to wash the head coach's car. Yeah. Uh, I had to go pick up a car in Sparta for one of the assistant coaches. And where's Sparta? I hadn't heard of it. it oh, it's a couple hours away. Well, I had to figure out how I was going to get there and then get the car back. So, I mean, it was some real important things I did. But uh, I remember my son now, um, he's spent 13 years in the, in the National Football League, but he came out, he spent a year at Fordham as a graduate assistant and two years at Notre Dame as a graduate assistant. So you just, you, you don't come out of college and get into college athletics right away. It's very, very difficult. And so, um, I spent two years at Tennessee, and then at 25 years old, I was hired as the offensive coordinator at Youngstown <laughs> State. Um, I thought I knew a little bit about football, Rob. I knew nothing. Huh. Um, what? So, and, how did you? What was some of the things that you learned? Like, how did you? Was it just a head coach at Youngstown State, or was that kind of a the point where they're teaching you so much about football, the uh, the game? Well, you know, I, I was the, uh, the offensive coordinator at 25, and we had a head coach, Bill Narduzzi, who was in his first year. He'd come from the University of Kentucky. And, you know, to, to be able to, to function at 25 years old as a graduate assistant, I mean, as, a, uh, as an offensive coordinator, uh, playing some of the teams we played, it was, it was a real learning experience for me. And, Youngstown had only had one winning team in 13 years. So wow. my first year, we were six and four. And then we went back to um, four and six. And then we were seven, three, 10, two, and 11, two. And uh, we, had, we had some really, really good teams and played for a national championship against Delaware in 79. And with that, I had an opportunity to go to Vanderbilt University and coach there for three years, the offensive backs. So um, it was at Vanderbilt um, that, um, you know, my health was becoming a problem. Uh, everybody handles stress in a different way, Rob. And yeah. the way that I was handling it was I would break out in hives after games. Holy cow. Um, my throat would swell and, uh, you know, I had to carry Benadryl with me all the time because 
uh, if you can't breathe, um, that's a scary, scary feeling. Holy cow. So, so the stress was giving you hives and, and closing and your throat. My throat. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, and making it difficult to, to breathe. And I just said, you know, I've had enough. Um, I'm going to go the administrative route. I'm going to learn how to better take care of myself and to deal with stress. And so I went and spoke to, you know, some people about how to handle stress and then became an administrator at Vanderbilt and, um, and, and worked my way up from there. So, um, these, these coaching jobs are extremely strenuous, um, extremely, um, you know, um, pressure packed. Right. And, you know, I wasn't ready to handle it at that time. And so, um, I got out, it was the best thing I ever did and, um, saved my life. That's incredible. So when you started getting into the administrative side of it at Vanderbilt, how did that, how did that work? What were some of the things that you were like, Hey, I want to get into the administrative side, but like, what does that mean? Like, how did you, what did you do? How did you figure out your path? Well, our uh, director of athletics was Roy Kramer at the time. And he'd been the head coach and athletic director at central Michigan. And I had always told him, I said, you know, the last couple of years, coach, um, I'd really like to get into administration. So please keep me in mind and, and all that. So after the 82 season, I was going to leave. I was going to go into business. And Coach Kramer found a job for me um, at uh, Vanderbilt. And it was called the Director of Administrative Services. And I did, uh, I did compliance work. I was the recruiting coordinator for the whole athletic department, primarily football. And then I just did a lot of things that Coach Kramer didn't want to do. Yeah. So um, that's that's how I got started again. <laughs> so when what's so one of the things that we talk a lot about is, you know, you're kind of getting started and you're kind of getting going and then navigating that next kind of step. So taking that next step to the next job and navigating the internal politics. How did you be able to do that as you eventually got to, you know, become the athletic director at a power five school in the BC? Well, um, I had a lot of help. Um, Roy Kramer helped me a great deal and C.M. Newton helped me a great deal. Um, I was at Vanderbilt for about three years and a job opening came at the University of South Carolina at Spartanburg. It was an athletic director's job. Mr. Kramer came down, Coach Kramer, and he said to me, you know, you, you're only a couple of years into administration. This would be really good for you. It's a smaller school. You'll have to be the business person, the fundraiser, the, you know, the custodian, Jack. if you have to be, you'll have to do everything. Jack and of so all trades. It's a great experience for you. And so um, I left uh, Vanderbilt, went to the, the University of South Carolina at Spartanburg and spent two and a half years there as the director of athletics. And from there, when CM Newton who had been the basketball coach at um, when he'd been the basketball coach at Vanderbilt, he and I had become friends and he went on to become the athletic director at Kentucky and brought me with him. And I spent seven years with coach Newton at the university of Kentucky. And that's where, where I really, really learned from him um, the 
athletic administration. You know, Coach Newton had worked as the director of athletics um, at Transylvania University, and he was coached there as well. And then he went on to coach at the University of Alabama. Well, Coach Bear, Coach Bear Bryant was the football coach and the athletic director there. And Coach Bryant had a lot of, a lot of influence on C.M. Newton. And when Coach Newton had graduated from the University of Kentucky, his college coach was Adolph Rupp. Oh, wow. So imagine being around, playing for Coach Rupp, being around Coach Bryant, who then had been at the University of Kentucky, hired CM. Um, so I was learning from CM, but I was learning from Coach Bryant, Coach Rupp, CM Newton, and Roy Kramer. And so I had some great role models, Rob, and they they helped me learn things and and get over some of the mistakes that I made. And I made some mistakes early, like everybody does, but uh, we were able to to minimize those as we went along. So, what were some of the things that Coach Newton taught you from the administrative side? That was like, yeah, this is this is something that I became because I've uh, I've learned to become passionate about, right? So, like taking the athletic department and steering in a specific direction. Do you remember some specific traits yeah. that Coach Newton taught you? you? From, from Roy Kramer. Yeah. Um, I learned a work ethic and I learned a toughness. Um, when Coach Kramer thought, when he knew he was right, he didn't care who wrote bad about him in the paper, who said something bad on the radio or TV. He knew he was right and he, he just stuck to it. So I learned a a work ethic and a toughness from him. From C.M. Newton, um, I learned um, to be more inclusive. Um, C.M. always brought a lot of people together, Rob, and would ask their opinions. And he, and, and he would listen. He was an exceptional listener. And so um, he would get all types of opinions. He'd get everybody involved. And from, from there, I learned that even, uh, even if you go in a different direction than somebody had, you know, suggested to you, they were a lot more likely to buy into what you were doing if they had been given an opportunity to have their say. And so Coach Newton ran the athletic department that way. He was very inclusive. He was very transparent. Uh, everybody knew what was going on. His communication skills were excellent. And so I sat there and I, I learned a lot from him. I feel uh, like know, that I would, I would say to him, you know, teach me some of the things that coach Rupp, you know, taught you. And, and he just, he was just really great about it. He shared everything. What were some of the things that coach Rupp taught him? Um, well, um, coach Rupp, um, and Coach Rupp was one heck of a coach, and, and Coach Rupp taught him discipline. Um, they ran plays, and you had to be on a certain part of the court at that time uh, when that ball was coming. He was really, really disciplined. Um, coach Rupp was ahead of his time in, in a lot of his thinking and fast break and, and things like that. But uh, Coach Rupp taught him communication. He taught him he taught him. Uh, you know, basketball. He taught him a lot about life, but it was from, from coach Bryant um, that uh, coach Newton did most of the talking because he'd spent 13 years with coach Bryant oh. and, 
he would he had a big ring cm did it was a huge ring that the uh he had been an assistant with bobby knight when i think it was in 88 we won the gold medal uh in los angeles with the with the basketball team it was four years before the dream team right and cm would go like this and you know, <laughs> he would itch his head and uh make sure that everyone could see that ring yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that i love and that he'd say well you know coach brian always said <coughs> he always talked about class winning with class losing with class doing everything you do with class and he said one day somebody asked coach brian he said coach you're always talking about class can you define it coach Coach Bryant thought for a minute. He said, no, no, I can't define it, but I can certainly recognize it. Yeah, right. And that's recognizable class. Another thing Coach Bryant always told him, CM would be a little bit disappointed at the end of a season or whatever. And he'd say, Jays, I don't know what I'm doing. And Coach Bryant would take him and put his arm around him and CM said, CM, you know, uh, an accountant doesn't make a um, a career decision on April the 16th. Huh. Uh, you need to go <laughs> and you need to take a couple of weeks here, take some time off and think about what you want to do and how you want to do it. And coach Newton would come back. Of course, he wanted to coach. He'd just been, he'd just been really tired and worn down through the season. So it was things like that that Coach Bryant taught him that was really neat. So, <laughs> excuse me. So you make it through to um, you become the athletic director at um, at BC. When you first get your first job as you know Power Five type school at the time, it still is at the, I mean, it still is, but um, a Power Five type school. What were some of the first things that you said? Yeah, this is what how I want to make my mark at BC, and how did that evolve over time? Okay. Well, first of all. Um, I left Kentucky after seven years with CM and I went to Vander, uh, to Villanova. Mm -hmm. And that was a great move for me. Um, Villanova had some great sports. Um, basketball was really good. Football was good. Um, track and field were outstanding. And so I learned some, some real basic things there at, at Villanova. And then by coming to Boston College at the time, um, I said to myself, when I got here, um, do not be in a big hurry. Don't step on toes. Um, make sure that you don't lose people's trust. Um, I had done things a little bit too fast at Villanova. Some of the things that I did were correct, but I did them a little bit too fast. And so when I came to Boston college, I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to approach this job. Like it's the last one that I'm ever going to have. And so I slowed down. I, I, I tried to, to uh, you know, have a, the great work ethic that I'd learned from Roy uh, Kramer. Um, you know, I tried to have a toughness because we had to make some early decisions that were difficult. Um, you know, from CM, I learned to include a lot more people and give them an opportunity to say things. I wanted to make sure that our communication was really good and it was transparent. And so those are the things that I was thinking about um, when I got here. And, you know, um, the director of athletics is a very, very, it's a difficult job, Rob, as you know. 
And I came up with a very simple definition to a very complex job, but I think the job of the director of athletics is to provide leadership and organization for the group, as well as the climate, family-like climate and resources necessary for success. Well, what are those resources? Well, it's money. Yeah, right. Uh, a president of an institution, a director of athletics, you've got to be able to raise money so that you can provide your students or your student athletes, whatever it may be, with the best of facilities, the best of you know, food, the best of, of uniforms, and all those kinds of things that are necessary for success. So that's that's how we we went about it. We went about it slow. Um, we we went about it with um, the idea of making this a real, real family type atmosphere. And, and I think we did that for the most part. So talk to me, you talk about how important, you know, raising money is and, you know, with the resources part of it. <clears throat> so how do you balance as an athletic director? I can imagine this is an immense challenge is, um, you know, revenue generating sports and non-revenue generating sports and the time and effort and resources uh, around them, right? Uh, how have you been able to balance the challenges of, of those without just focusing on, say, you know, the revenue generating sports at an institution? Well, uh, again, in coaches meetings, um, we would talk to the coaches and we would say, listen, um, you know, football and basketball have to win here. Uh, and does hockey, um, because those are the sports that raise revenue for us. And so we've got to do, we, we've got to give them what their, what the people in our league have so that we can make sure that we're being competitive um, with all the teams in our league. And then we said to the soccer coaches, you know, we're going to try to make you um, competitive with budget-wise and facilities um, with the teams that you're playing in the conference. And we did that with softball and volleyball <laughs> and soccer, and so many of those. So it wasn't that, you know, that, that we, we cared it, uh, you know, more about this particular sport instead of that particular sport. That wasn't the case. What we tried to do was to make it so that each sport was funded um, so that they could be successful against other teams of their sport in the same conference. Gotcha. So that's kind of how we did it, Rob. It's interesting. Um, what else? Uh, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, leadership and guidance um, through difficult times. I can imagine, and can you walk us through, because it's so, you know, in the news now of when uh, schools change <laughs> excuse me, from conference to conference. And in your tenure at BC, you changed from the Big East to the ACC. Can you walk us through that process? And then also some things that are similar now when schools, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are going to be making this change with other schools coming up uh, soon. What, what is the same? What is different? And what is your advice to some of these athletic departments about to go through uh, this intense change? Okay. Um, if you go back in history, um, in 1991, the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, took um, Florida State. I believe they were in the Metro Conference at that time. 
1992, Roy Kramer was the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference and um, the Southeastern Conference invited South Carolina and Arkansas to come. Well, there had not been a lot of movement from that time on. It was uh, 2003 that uh, the ACC was looking to expand and they thought they might have the votes. And of course, uh, we wanted to be with whoever was going to go to the ACC because we wanted to make sure that we protected our football program um, because that was extremely, extremely important to us. And Miami was one of the teams that they were looking at and Syracuse was the other. And so um, we went ahead and, and we made the, the decision and left. And a couple of reasons we made the decision. Number one, it was to protect our football program. Uh, number two, um, Father Leahy realized that we had become a national institution, yet most of our, uh, most of our opponents were in the Northeast, and he wanted to expand our name and our brand into the southeastern part of the country. Um, and it's, it, it, it happened that applications from that part of the country um, did, you know, come up in, in, in numbers. Uh, the third thing was that um, I believe that it was six teams when we joined the ACC, I think there were six teams that were in the top 35 in the country academically. It was um, Wake Forest, Boston College, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. So now you're, you're, you've got 12 teams in the league and was it 12? Yeah, it was 12 teams in the league. Six of them were in the top 35 in the country. And Father Leahy and some of the other presidents put together academic consortiums. I don't understand that much about what they did, but they shared libraries and they shared professors and they shared a lot of things. So that was uh, really good for us. And then the revenue, um, the, the extra exposure of being on television more, um, having more revenue, um, all those things were really important in making the, the move. And, um, you know, the, uh, the Big East uh, sued uh, Miami, Boston College, uh, the ACC and me personally um, at that time. So that was a very, very difficult time for me. Yeah, right. Um, you know, when even a lot of our alums didn't understand why we were doing what we were doing. Um, certainly the media was uh, coming at us from all sides. And it was a, it, it was a tough time. It was a tough time on our players, too, because we had to spend another year and a half in, in, the, uh, in the Big East. And you can imagine the, um, the fans at some of the other schools. They were pretty tough on our teams. It was okay if they were tough on me. I could handle that. I'm a, I'm a grown man, and I'm the one that made the decision. But to take it out on some of our players and our coaches, um, that, 
that really bothered me um, for them. And, you know, I say the same thing. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma seem to have agreed to stay in the league until 2025. Um, I've spoken with both their athletic directors. I've spoken with uh, other people there, and I've just told them, you know, you, you better put a helmet on and buckle that chin strap because there's people in the media that are going to come after you, <laughs> fans that are going to come after you, and um, the commissioner of the league has not been kind to Oklahoma and, and to Texas. So it's a tough thing to go through. It really is um, because it's almost a, it's almost like it's a divorce route. Yeah. And right. You've been together divorces, forever. Yeah. Divorces might start out um, amicable, but um, at least a, a, a high percentage of them don't end up that way. And yeah. when you leave people behind, um, and you're going to something that you think is better for your school and your institution. And they probably, they're, they're upset because they're not getting to go with you. How was it so, to community? I'm sorry, continue. I, I apologize. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm through. <clears throat> how much of, um, uh, how important it is with alum communication, right? You, um, to walk through when you're going through a difficult process or you're going through a difficult time. How did you find it best to communicate with alums to make sure that they understood your vision for the department? Well, it's always difficult when you have 150,000 alums. Yeah, right. Um, Father Leahy did a great job of communicating with the board of trustees, about 40 members of the board of trustees. And so that was really important. And we did the best that we could with going around the country at different alumni functions and, um, and explaining to people what we did. But you have to realize that people grew up with the Big East Conference in, in basketball. I mean, in 84, um, Georgetown wins the national championship. In 85, Villanova wins it. Um, but in addition to Villanova winning it in 85, St. John's, and Georgetown were also in the final four. So you've got three big East teams in the final four um, and, and Georgetown having won it the year before. So the, the, the rivalries between Providence and, and Boston college and Providence and Villanova and St. John's and, and, and um, Boston college and Villanova, those were, those were huge rivalries that people had lived with for a long time. The old Big East was tough, man. That was uh, a knockout, drag out. It was awesome. I mean, think of the coaches that were in that league. You had Massimino, <laughs> Roley, um, Roley, uh, you had Patino at Providence. Yeah. Um, Louis Carnesecca was at St. John's. John Thompson was at Georgetown. PJ Carlissimo oh, yeah. was uh, at Seton Hall. Uh, who am I forgetting here? Oh, Jim Beheim, of course, yeah. was at Syracuse. I mean, there were some every every game was a war. Yeah, right. The bloody and, wars in the Big East basketball. Yeah, and the Big East tournament in <coughs> in New York. Uh, yeah, I that, mean, there's nothing like playing at Madison Square Garden. So what I'm getting at here is nothing is all good or all bad in life. Yeah. Um, there were things that 
the that the ACC um, brought to the table that were really really great. And there were a few things that we left that that we really missed. I mean, I missed I missed playing against some of those teams. I, I missed playing in the garden. Our players missed uh, the magic of being in New York all the time. So, yeah, there there's good and bad, but you have to uh, you have to do what's right for your institution. And as we look down the down the road, uh, I think Boston College has done pretty darn good. I think so too. I think you did a masterful job. I always had a keen eye on what you were doing. Um, and especially when you were making the transition from the Big East uh, to the ACC, because that was you, it was like 2003, right? 2003, 2004? I, I, yeah, it was. Uh, we, we were accepted in 2003, so we went the rest of the three season and the, the, um, the four season. And on January of 05 was our first day in the, in the ACC. So I graduated college in 2004. I can't. Uh, remember how many term papers I was doing in my sports management classes at Springfield College uh, about uh, BC making the transition from uh, the Big East to the ACC. So I think I probably used you in a quote or in a term paper I'm somehow. I'm sure you probably did. <laughs> I'm sure I probably there was did. There's a lot out there to, to write about, that's for sure. I'm sure I probably did. So after a long and very successful career, um, in you know, as an athletic director, make the transition to managing director of Turnkey Search. You want to talk a little bit about how that came about, and then what you're doing right now. Yeah, um, thanks. When I when I got done at uh, at Boston College, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I was young enough that I certainly didn't want to retire, but I didn't want to work as hard as you know, you have to work as an athletic director. So I had had a bout with cancer um, and I joined the American Cancer Society and with Coaches Versus Cancer, we raised quite a bit of money in the two years that we were there through golf tournaments. And that was really satisfying for me to be able to, to do something for those people that, you know, had cancer like <laughs> I had had. My case yep. was was very mild and curable. Um, so I did that. And then Len Perna at Turnkey uh, invited me to come to Philadelphia and meet with him and see if I wanted to be a, a um, you know, in a, in a search firm and as a headhunter. Yeah. And I really didn't want any part of it. <laughs> really didn't. Um, didn't want any part of it. Len calls you. Know, I've, I've hired enough people and I've had to fire people. And I, I just don't think this is what I want to do for, you know, for living here or you know, in my supposedly retirement. So he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you X amount of money if you'll give me 10 hours a month. So I added it up. I thought, hmm. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. So then he said to me, okay, I'll give you this much money if you'll give me so many more hours a month. And he hooked me on and I went from working just a few hours a month to working eight and 10 hours a day. And um, Turnkey had only done one, college search at the time it was the 
athletic director at Georgetown. And in our first couple of years there, we did the directors of athletics at uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Georgia Tech, Alabama, Tennessee, Nebraska, Maryland, the University of Southern California. Um, we also did coaching searches at Rice, at Akron, Bowling Green, uh, LSU, Nebraska, Temple. We had done, we did quite a few. And uh, just within the past year, Rob, uh, Lynn and Turnkey have hired three people now, Chad Chatlos, uh, Katie Young-Stout, and Dalton Beal, and they've come on, and they do the majority of the, the, the load now. Mm -hmm. I did it by myself for about five or six years, but I'll be 72 in July, and uh, I just can't do what I used to. So I help them to get searches. I will help them in, in other ways. But um, right now, um, you know, they do the majority of the work. And so everyone knows turnkey is like the go-to place on uh, colleges and universities turn to, to be able to uh, find positions like athletic director in colleges, but they also do much more than just, college university ones you'll see that they're searching for you know corporate partnership directors and, and and things like that they are a large impactful business uh within the sports business world everybody knows uh about len um and and turnkey and what they can do yeah len has done a terrific job of <coughs> bringing on the right people um we're now in not just in college sports, but professional sports, we do that. Um, we not only now do directors of athletics and head football and head basketball coaches, but we do some of the Olympic sports as well, baseball coaches, lacrosse coaches, we do a lot of those. Um, we do some associate athletic directors or deputy athletic directors. We've gotten into the, the entertainment uh, industry now. We've gotten, we've really broadened our in, in the music industry, we've really broadened our base, and uh, yeah, we've become a, a real a real player out there now among the search firms that that um, are out there. It's so incredible. It's incredible, and congratulations on all of uh, what's happened at, at Turnkey. Um, well, they got some good people there, <laughs> and uh, Len's Len's a great leader. So thank you. Oh no, it's 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 great, and I um I actually got to know Katie a little bit. Um, from when she was at Learfield uh, back in the day, but uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll have Katie to make sure she may be the best in the business. I'm telling you, she's just terrific. She is terrific. She is terrific. She actually hired uh, one of my good friends and former guests on the uh, on this podcast, Mike Trudnick, uh, way back when and he's uh, he's in Learfield and uh, with uh, Bucknell and uh, on that East Coast side. Yeah. So he's he's she's a, one of the best in the business. I tell you, I've learned from her. I've learned a lot of things from Katie. I call her Great Kate. Great Kate. I can get that. I can get I can get behind yeah, that. So, great Kate, I call her. And I think it's starting to to catch on a little bit. So that's good. It's an easy one to do. She is, she's wonderful. Um, last question I have before you, before uh, you know, I've taken enough of your time. If you were to go back in time 
your younger self comes up. They got the LeBron James uh, commercial now, right? Where they has younger self comes into the bedroom and talks about it and to give advice. If you were to give yourself uh, your younger self advice, who's just kind of starting and navigating your career, right? You're kind of those first five, seven years of your career. What advice are you giving to young Gene? The advice I would give to young Gene would be this. Um, enjoy the journey more than you did. Hmm. I was so focused on, you know, on being a director of athletics uh, or a head football coach at the time. And I was so passionate about it that um, I really, really didn't enjoy the journey as much as I should have. Now, as I've gotten older, Rob, I understand that the true warrior enjoys the journey as much as he or she enjoys the prize. Uh, I wish that I had more faith in myself and I wish that I'd have had more faith in God that I was, if I continued to work and do things in the right way, that I would have an opportunity to get to where I wanted to get. Interesting. So, more faith in yourself, huh? More faith in myself and in, and in God. Yeah. Wow. My wife always told me that, you know, she said, relax, you're going to get there. And I was so driven. I was so, so passionate. I was so um, obsessed with it that I, I really didn't enjoy the journey as much as I should have. And when I got older and I got to Boston College and I thought, well, I'm 47 years old now and I'm in a great institution in a great league. And you know what? Um, it's not all going to be a bowl of cherries here, but, you know, the true warrior needs to enjoy the journey as much as he or she enjoys the prize. And so I said, that's, that's <laughs> what I'm going to do here. And I'm going to make sure that I enjoy it. And I did. I enjoyed it a lot more than I had before then. I think that is spectacular advice to end on. And uh, for me, I, I'm like glued to that. That's a, a lot of, you know, that, that resonates well with me in uh, I think I've also personally, I've got to make sure to enjoy the journey a little bit more because, you know, that's, that's a, it's a lot of fun to, if you stop back and like, you know, smell the roses. And it really is. Um, it's really a journey. I mean, when Tom O'Brien and I got here to Boston College, um, BC had had three winning teams in 11 years. And then we went on and we beat Notre Dame five times in a row. And oh, I, I was glued to the BC yeah. Notre Dame uh, games. Those were gigantic. Yeah, they, they were huge. And, um, you know, what Al Skinner did here in basketball, going to seven or eight NCAA tournaments in 15 years and, Jerry York went to nine Frozen Fours in 15 years and won four of them. And our women's basketball um, was really terrific. They went to a number of NCAA tournaments. Our women's soccer went to the final four. <laughs> our men's soccer was rated the number one seed in the country of the 64 Um you know, uh, teams that made the NCAA tournament. So we had a great run. It was a lot of fun. And finally, finally, um, I, I, I enjoyed the journey as much as the prize. 
or almost as much as the prize. Almost as much as the prize. <laughs> the prize is still the prize. Right. Certainly a lot more than I did when I was younger. Well, uh, that's uh, uh, great advice. And um, I'm so thankful, Gene, that you would join Front Office Features, uh, provide your advice to our listeners. I know they're going to get a lot of it. Hell, I got a lot from it. And uh, I'm so thankful that we made the connection and uh, you know, look forward to our paths uh, crossing again soon. Rob, let's uh, let you and I do a better job of staying in touch, huh? I think that's a good I've idea. Got all your, I've got all your information. You have mine. Let's let's be sure to do that. And I also want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to be on your, your program. And I also want to thank you because what you're doing in giving back and helping other people, young people coming up, that's what this is all about. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. You know, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to have this or that or the other thing. But if you care about people, if you give them your time, that's what's the most important thing in life. So keep up the good work and congratulations to you. Well, very much appreciated. A million thank yous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thank you.